0: about it's our weekly catch up with the national party's denise lee simon bridges and the national party are calling for alert level four to be lifted next week and have looked to australia as an example of a functioning economy with restrictions bridges is encouraging government to move away from just essential workers being allowed to work the national party's denise lee joined me joined joined laura excuse me to discuss and she started off by telling laura why lifting the lockdown is important in her eyes as soon as we are able to, and, and obviously have
1: assurances around safety and, and health, we need to let businesses and workers get on with working and working safely. The consequences of not doing that, Laura, is, is really harmful. So we all know about the health harm, but this is about our economy, people keeping their jobs. We all know that long term, People without jobs have poor health outcomes. There's sort of like a a real bad catch-22. And so it's really important that we restart the economy as soon as we can in a way that kind of, well, ironically, doesn't risk undoing all the hardcore work we've just done by being in
2: lockdown government's been operating based off of the epidemiological advice. Now, reports have kind of suggested that another one or two weeks could be beneficial in lockdown. Um, if evidence kind of emerges that that is the best approach, would National kind of change that narrative? Yeah,
1: well, obviously, we do need to hear from health officials, and we do need to be sense about, sensible about it. We're not saying, you know, at all costs. Um, reduce the the, the levels and, and get out of level four but right now we know as it stands today that the numbers are looking better and that as we go towards a decision come Monday that at the moment it's looking like it could be a really um, good opportunity for us to head out of level four and go to something that's much less restrictive Mm -hmm. Um, We've got an Australian model uh, to look at in that regard. Um, Their trend of cases is quite similar to ours. And I say trend, we obviously know there's a bigger population difference. Where they're at is looking more like our level three right now, and they're, they're showing that it can work.
2: Based on the level three alert that has just come out today, I would say Australia kind of looks closer to a level two plus considering they still have um, customers being able to go into retail, where at level three we wouldn't have that. Um, what are your thoughts on this kind of model we have at the minute?
1: Yeah, well, I think what we've seen is, and you're artic- you've articulated it really well, Laura, that um, there's all these nuances in every level, um, and we're already seeing in level three, um, and and if we decide to go to that, I need to keep reminding people that we're still level four at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we go to level three, there's already new rules around that that we didn't have when we were at level three before. I guess I'm not saying every single thing that Australia is doing, we should do too. There may be a 2.5 version or a, 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 three point, <laughs> a 3.2 version. Look, who knows? Mm-hmm. But all that we know is that there are businesses right now that have been very, very, very clear that the absolute maximum they can handle is four weeks of lockdown, that reopening supply chains after that is going to get so much harder, that trying to find extra income beyond the wage subsidy, beyond four weeks, is gonna be massively harder. And we will look at more job losses. There's no two
2: ways about that. Um, Brendan Murphy, the Australian Chief Medical Officer, when he was questioned whether he would make those recommendations to New Zealand, he declined because he doesn't know enough about our data.
1: Um, no one's saying, um, you know, lock stock and barrel, right? Let's do their model, and they're not they're not going to say, well, let's do your model. um we have to nuance it for our context, but the general principle of having less restrictive lockdowns that absolutely make sure that workers are in a safe environment, but the principle is let them get on with work and as much work as they can because. We will have different forms of suffering if we let our economy um, go. And, you look, it's not just a, a political pie-in-the-sky kind of four-week um, line in the sand. It's it's hearing from businesses themselves. You know, we all have people that we know in the travel industry, in the hospo industry, um, you know, in and, and the multiple industries, forestry, you name it, who are just saying, look, You've asked me to do what I can for four weeks. But beyond that, it is going to get so much exponentially harder.
2: Um, I will also bring up David Skegg, who um, is an epidemiologist. He was questioned about Australia. And according to him, comments from the Australian Prime Minister have been that they could be sitting at their current restrictions for uh, six to 18 months Now that is quite a long stretch and what he's saying is New Zealand is attempting to reduce that to um, a very low level in terms of that risk so we don't have to be at these restrictions for a long time. Do you think that's the best strategy?
1: It's hard to know and I'd be really, really reluctant to make a comment, um, Laura, on what is the best strategy. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have to hear from the Prime Minister, from, the, from government officials and of course from health officials come Monday. They've promised us that they would have looked at the data um, at that point and, and we will make a decision. I I think what we're trying to do is just be very clear that no matter what the data shows, we must prioritise getting back to work as soon as we can.
2: I'll shift on to our next subject here. So in terms of our prisoners' rights to vote, um, this recent bill that's going through, uh, now At the minute, it seems a bit strange that it is going through at this time. Could you explain that for us?
1: I just think it's fascinatingly strange that Parliament, or specifically Minister Andrew Little, the Minister of Justice, has asked the Justice Committee to rush through right now um, this, what they consider to be urgent business. So Parliament is adjourned, Parliament is paused, none of us are going to Wellington, except for urgent pandemic business. That's what we all agreed to. Yet, Andrew Little's telling the committee that A, officials can't provide normal support and advice on this bill because there's a national emergency, but he wants it rushed through. So this is a bill that gives prisoners the right to vote in the upcoming election, that four times have had a chance to include this over the last two and three quarter years, And they haven't done it, but they want to do it right now. Mm. So we're saying, you know, come on, this doesn't smell right at all, that even the same committee, Laura, the same Justice Committee, has deferred other bills on sexual violence laws and increasing protection for first responders, you know, like St. John's and police and da 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 So that sounds more relevant to a COVID climate than, than prisoners getting the right to vote. So... Yes, um, someone's very, um, i would be very happy to hear someone explain to me in further detail why this would pass as urgent pandemic
2: business. Even before this lockdown was happening, though, I believe it was being fast-tracked um, a few weeks before. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so that. Um, just right before lockdown. There was a rush to try and get it through. And then, of course, we went through lockdown. Um, I'm, I'm aware of this. I'm not on the Justice Committee, but I am on the Education and Workforce Committee. And we have deferred, um, I think it's four bills, might be three, um, because we realise in this context, it doesn't pass the sniff test of what is urgent pandemic business. So we've been very communicative. We've told people, we've told submitters what we're doing. So why does this... Um, pass the sniff test. Um, certainly, our reps on the justice committee <laughs> have um, um, talked about it and, and protested about it to their blue in the face. But we don't have the majority on that committee, so it, it's going to go through. Um, there's a labor um, chair of that committee, and of course, the, the minister of justice himself, Andrew Little, insisting.
2: I would like to talk about the bill itself.
1: Here's, here's the main principle for, for where we come at with this bill, and that's, um, and this is by the way, the same position that the UK and Australia have that um, losing the right to vote is one of the liberties that you lose when you commit a serious enough offence to be sent to prison, right? So it's not, we're not just talking about petty crime, it's you've had to commit something serious enough to um, be convicted and sent to prison, you know. that's. Um, that's the, the guiding principle that we have, Laura. I think something else of note, maybe of interest, I don't know, to listeners is that um, if you think about the practicalities of a prisoner um, getting the right information to even cast their vote, so how they've got restricted access to information, right, when you're in prison, So what sort of information will they be able to get to make their decision on voting? And they certainly can't attend, you know, meet the candidate meetings um, as the rest of us can. So, you know, there's a few things in here that just for lots of reasons um, is just quite frankly um, not the way to go for New Zealand and certainly not in this rush form.
2: I I might contest with you on that people only get sent to prison for quite serious offenses. Um, When I was thinking about the subject, I ended up speaking to some law students at BFM about it, um, because what ended up kind of coming up was, take for instance, you do three minor offenses in a row. Those three minor offenses can result in you ending up with quite a large amount of time. So what would you say when there are these kinds of cases that um, seemingly don't meet that criteria you just said?
1: Yeah, I guess that would open up another discussion, right, Laura, on the three strikes um, mm-hmm. policy. Um, and, you know, happy to have that on air um, when, when you're ready for it. I guess I'd just be very, very careful to say um, that, that it's – a serious enough offence to be sent to prison. You know, We have our law, we have um, our prosecutions and what that amounts to and a judiciary that decides what the sentence is. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in prison right now, you've committed something that's serious enough to warrant that. Uh, now, whether people want to debate whether cumulatively they should be there after three minor offences, um, you know, that it is what our current law is.
2: Mm-hmm. On, I'll, I'll strip this conversation back to just in terms of that legislation restricting um, people with three year sentences. Um, so, that uh, stripping of that right to vote for prisoners in that situation um, is something that was implemented by National back when they, back in 2010, um, back when you guys were in leadership. Um, Now, Andrew Little has made the comment that this uh, legislation is against the New Zealand Bill of Rights. Um, And on top of that, there's also commentary that it goes against the Treaty of Waitangi. Um, Is that not a concern that uh, both inequality and a lack of consideration for human rights seems to be present within this legislation as it stands?
1: Yeah, not not as far as our interpretation um, goes, Laura, and, and that's not the first time that there's been bills passed um, in, by both Labour and National, where um, it's stepped outside um, an interpretation for the Bill of Rights and for the Treaty for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously bills are allowed to proceed um, if advice is to the contrary for, for either of those um, you know, those um, bill, um, I guess, semi-constitutional things we've just talked about. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I, for us, um, if you're allowed to pass legislation despite advice um, relating to something else, then, then really it's Parliament's decision. And Parliament needs to make a call, and our call is that this is a, a liberty and a right that should not be afforded to someone who's done something serious enough to find themselves sitting in a prison cell.
2: Mm. Um, Also a major issue with this subject tends to be that those who are disenfranchised um, in that position quite often don't enroll again to vote um, and stripping that kind of enrollment in the first place is going to reduce votership and on top of that, Maori are eight times more likely than Pakeha to get custodial sentencing, um, as reported by Action Station, the Waitangi Tribunal. Wouldn't you agree it's kind of in the interest of democracy to make sure we are opening those, that democracy to everyone and ensuring those rights do remain intact for those who are vulnerable?
1: Um, sure. No, it is absolutely in our interest to make sure democracy remains intact for people, but that can happen the minute they get released from prison. So, you know, is, is something that we can do to help and assist that, that the minute they walk out of prison, they're fully engaged member of society and participating in democracy and voting and attending candidate meetings. Maybe it's civic society fund creative studies that they can do while they're in prison look i'm not sure what form it would take laura but um you know i'd be more than more than happy to see prisoners learn and engage about what they can do once released but while you're in there you're in there for a reason and those liberties are not your liberties for that period of time the minute you get out um, you know off you go to the ballot paper
2: I'll shift on to our last subject here, which is uh, luckily a lighter topic for us today. <laughs> um, so you have started an art appreciation competition um, in your community. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Well, Laura, only on BFM can you go from prisoner voting rights <laughs> to, to a kid's art competition. <laughs> so so you're exactly right. I just... Um, I looked at our awesome frontliners here during the COVID crisis, um, obviously in my local patch, but also everywhere around New Zealand. Just think, not just police and St. John's and nurses and doctors and, you know, lab technicians and da 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 but also the truckies, also the posties and the couriers, you know, the, the um, shout-out to ana, um, and Dom working at the Foursquare that's close to me, you know, they're, they're just um, teenagers in year 13, <laughs> so, you know, these are they've gone out and they haven't stopped working, the rest of us are working from home and doing our best, but they are literally out every single day um, smiling at people, making people feel less fearful. Sometimes politicians, you know, next to used car salesmen, we don't sort of, if I got out there and just said, thank you very much, thank you very much, people would think, oh, there she goes. Um, and I thought, let's let's remove me from the equation and get kids in the area, thanking frontliners. And all I am, Laura, is just the conduit. So I set up a um, a wee little um, comp where um, they kids draw a picture of a frontliner and they can draw it any way they want just words or or, you know pictures and graphics and then they take a photo with it because everyone loves to see cute kids and then all I do is like I said conduit, I forward those images or those drawings onto um, frontliners so I've had um, New Zealand Post, I've had Vector, I've had um, um, nurses, um, police um, circulate these cute images all around their staff teams. Some are then going on to use it in their publicity. So it's actually creating a really cool effect of just being really, really delighted with how it's going. And, you know, big ups to the kids in, in, in the community who have spent hours drawing stuff for frontliners.
2: Wow. Amazing. Um, have the frontliners been super receptive and happy to get these notes and messages?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, like it's been incredible. Uh, I think they've just put their head down and kept going. Um, and, you know, they don't have time to get on social media and look. You know, if you get on Facebook, you can probably see a, a few initiatives of this and that, but they don't have time. So I'm just sending in or emailing them direct to their work inboxes um, these photos and they love it like I said I've got major big companies um, New Zealand Post and Vector and so on um, asking if they can not just that uh, they've already have sent it on to their workers but if as a, a an organisation they can use it in their um, newsletters and, and publicity and so on so it's had a kind of really cool little pay it forward um, side to it and you know I'm really proud of as I said of the little kids drawing their hearts out
2: amazing I, I love a little bit of good news to end on here um I will shift on to our last question here so the person hang on a minute Laura is this
1: going to be good news question or is this going? To be, I know you
2: love <laughs> these last questions I, I mean, I, I hope it's good news, but like. <laughs> um, she She's a bit shifty. This is going to be a tough one. Oh, no, no, no. I swear not. <laughs> okay, right. I've okay. heard that before. <laughs> well, um, so now we have some clear kind of alert level three guidelines. Um, and now we also know that people are going to be able to go through a drive-through or get takeaways or delivered. Mm. Um, so from that, I wanted to know what is your favorite fast food?
1: Okay, so I'd probably have like multiple answers to this, but I'm gonna answer it like when lockdown's lifted and I can get home delivery, um, what what's the first home delivery I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get, and I'm really super clear on that. It's gonna be Burger Fuel, and it's gonna be the V8 Vegan Burger.
2: Are you a vegan, Denise? No, I'm not. I'm
1: vegetarian. I'm vegetarian, but they've got three veggie burgers, and that one's the best. Oh, but yeah. I, don't, I don't like the vegan cheese. That tastes gross. So mm. I just say, no, ditch the cheese, but give me the patty, which is made up of, I don't know, whatever vegetables it's made up of. Um, and I have to say, good on your Burger Fuel, and then give me those chunky fries any day.
0: That was Denise Lee from the National Party speaking to Laura and somebody's texted in saying what a great interview or a great show, love your interview from Bob. So shout out to Laura there. Somebody else saying, typical national money before people look to Australia for advice. Bah ha ha. (laughs) I love when people type bah ha ha. Uh, Somebody else saying, it's been found to be against the Bill of Rights to stop prisoners' rights to vote. Do we want a lengthy court battle and don't get me started on the three strikes? Law put forward by an MP who was convicted of identity theft didn't know that let's look into that we'll let you know after this the national party's denise lee on
1: 95 bfm